Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello and welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, John Davis, alongside my daughter, Jenna. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Dad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're filling in for our friend and yours, Bart Sheridan. Bart's away this week, and it's going to take two of us, I think, to carry the ball alongside uh, our good friend, Pastor Tim Cockrell, to discuss his most recent sermon here at Grace, Hosea 11 through 13, Fatherly Love and Faithless People. Friends, welcome back. Jenna, welcome, and thanks for assisting me. Tim, welcome. Thanks. Good to be with you guys. Yeah. All right, Tim, can you catch us up from where we started in Hosea to where we find ourselves as of this last Sunday's message. Yes. And it's a long, long catch up, but it is, but it, but it really is important to set the context. So again, Hosea one through three, we see kind of this enacted prophecy, this lived out parable in which Hosea is called to marry a woman who will be unfaithful to him. Mm-hmm. And that God has Hosea walk through this as a way of identifying and even explaining God's relationship with Israel, that he had lavished unconditional covenant love and loyalty Mm -hmm. on Israel, Mm -hmm. and they had responded by being faithless, ungrateful, idolatrous, even prideful and self-sufficient. And so that's those first three chapters of Hosea pursuing his wife, Gomer, in spite of her unfaithfulness. And that then sets the tone for what God is going to do in the rest of the book in chapters 4 through 14, where he's going to present evidence of Israel's unfaithfulness. He's going to bring accusations. Then ultimately, he's going to make a declaration of judgment that Assyria is going to invade and they are going to be punished. And if you read verse uh, chapters 4 through 10, the weight of the judgment themes kind of begin to really uh, add up on us. But then we get to Hosea 11. It's almost as if the clouds part and there's this beautiful hope that shines on the horizon where suddenly God is saying, I was like a father to you and you were rebellious children. But as I think about destroying you, which is what you deserve, my heart recoils within me and my compassion grows warm. And and we just get a beautiful picture of who God is. And that all drives us toward then the end of the book, which is really a call to repent Mm -hmm. and to change course as a result of what God has revealed in this book. Mm. So one of the things I love doing Sunday evenings, if we can make it happen, mm-hmm. is to rally up as a family. Uh, that did not happen this Sunday night for a variety of reasons, but we kind of rallied up yesterday. And uh, just to say, hey, what, what questions do you have uh, about what we heard on Sunday, whether in the sermon or otherwise? And so Jenna, here it is. Here's your time to shine. This is a segment I'm going to call Questions from Kids. Okay, so Jenna, before you share your question, tell us what you enjoy most about being a part of Grace. I really love the youth group and hanging out with the youth group. Oh, okay. So what are some of the things you do to be involved here at Grace besides youth group? Uh, I love being part of the worship team for the youth group, and I enjoy serving at the Wednesday night GPS. Uh, okay, cool. All right. You had a question, and we're willing to uh, hang out with me and share your questions. So go ahead and uh, ask your question. So, Pastor Tim, on Sunday you mentioned that this was one of the passages that talked about God's love for his children of Israel. And I was wondering what the other passages were. Yeah, such a good question, Jenna. And as I think about it, there's 
any number of different passages that kind of illustrate God's love, uh, specifically for Israel, but then mm-hmm. more broadly. And so I'm going to I'm going to focus more on the more broadly side of things because my my mind and heart naturally gravitate towards certain passages in the New Testament. John chapter 3, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus is, is a pretty clear one, not just because of John 3.16, but because immediately following that, it says God did not come to condemn the world, mm-hmm. but to save the world. And, and all of the, the declarations of new birth and, and this new life that comes through Christ is really a fulfillment of the new covenant promises that we find in Scripture. Um, you read Ephesians chapter 1 from a doctrinal perspective. It mm. illustrates God's love in incredible ways. And even then spilling into chapter 2, that, that while we were dead in sin, uh, Christ made us alive through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, John chapter 10, Jesus as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, Those are just a few that come to my mind of beautiful pictures or explanations of God's love. And and one of the things that stood out to me about Hosea 11 is sometimes when we think about the Old Testament, it's easy to think of God either as this kind of distant judge or as even a a harsh Mm -hmm. disciplinarian because there are a, a number of declarations of judgment but we see this just warm heart of God as the Father in Hosea 11, and I think that's what makes that passage so remarkable. Hmm. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks, Pastor Tim. All right, so this question came from another, from another one of my children. I won't, won't name that <laughs> oldest child of mine. But he, he asked, can we just dig a little bit deeper into Hosea 11, 6-7 and 11, 8-9, where it appears that maybe there's a conflict in the heart of God, which even feels weird to say out loud, mm-hmm. right? Um how should we be thinking about these kinds of passages where we see words like the sword will rage in the same neighborhood as my compassion grows warmer and tender? Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we work through something like, how do we think through that? Yep. I like to think of these things as truths in tension. Mm. And there's a lot of different aspects of that. Even as we think about God, that he is three and one that he is grace and truth. He is justice and mercy. Mm. And that we want to be careful we don't act as if those are are antagonistic or antithetical toward one another. But we do recognize that there is an inherent tension there. And we see this tension all throughout Scripture, even from when Adam and Eve sin. And God has said, you know, if you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. But then almost immediately, there's this promise of redemption, of rescue that happens here. And and so I think as we think about it, one, it's important to recognize what are my tendencies Mm -hmm. when I think about God? Mm -hmm. Because we have to hold these truths in tension. It's not balance. It is tension, I believe. And if our tendency to think about God is as this kind of harsh judge, maybe that Mm -hmm. was the way your dad or grandpa was growing up, Mm -hmm. then I think it's important to remind and reinforce ourselves of these truths that that God is warm and loving and tender and compassionate. But on the other hand, we live in a culture in which it's increasingly common to view God one-dimensionally as simply a God of love and grace, mm-hmm. and that he is this kind of tolerant, indifferent, apathetic deity in the mm-hmm. sky. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we need to read these passages of God's judgment and take them to heart mm. to say God is holy. His wrath is good. It's not something to be ashamed or embarrassed about, yeah. but rather that's integral to his nature. Because if we lack 
a robust theology on either one of those, then we have a deficient understanding of the cross. Mm. Like if we think of the cross as simply just a moral example of love, Mm -hmm. then we've grossly underestimated the severity of our sin. But in the same way, if we view the the cross as some kind of divine child abuse, if you will, Mm -hmm. then we've really lost sight of God's heart to redeem his people who had wandered far away. And so I would view this as just one of many places in scripture where God puts these two truths side by side and that it is ultimately in the cross that they are fully and finally expressed, his grace and mercy alongside of his justice. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for faithfully preparing and sharing the word each week with us. I greatly appreciate that. Mm. And, you know, I recognize that we are getting just a glimpse on a Sunday morning in 45 minutes of what you've spent and prepared. What are some takeaways that maybe you felt like, man, I wish I could have or should have been able to deliver that just for whatever reason? What are some takeaways that maybe, and maybe you don't have any, maybe you're able mm-hmm. to, to do that. But I I sense sometimes that just, and even in my own, when I've, when I've spoken or whatever, I'm like, man, I wish I had. Did you have any time, things this week where you're like, man, I wish I could have shared more on that uh, aspect? Yeah, I think if there was a, a portion of our scripture that I felt like, uh, maybe if you want to say got shortchanged a little bit, it would be chapters 12 and 13, mm. where he's looking at kind of the history of Israel and the tendencies that they fall into. Mm. Now, part of the reason we compress that a little bit is he had already dealt with a number of those themes. But I, I think there's just real benefit, and we're going to talk a little bit about this this next week, of really evaluating our hearts in light of what we know of of human nature, of our tendencies, because many of the things we're reading about God confronting Israel with are things that we ourselves struggle with. You know, this idolatry and self-sufficiency, this idea that that we can act independent of God without accountability, that uh, we can kind of chart our own course and be the master of our own destiny. So many of these traps that Israel fell into that I think we are just as equally in danger of. And then the other thing I would say that I, I think was communicated, but just that I continue to ruminate on, is is what does it mean to relate to God as a father? Mm. And as a dad, you mm-hmm. know, you can get what that's like, and you you get even a little glimpse of God's unconditional love for us. But I think that's one of the things that I, I'm just continuing to marvel at and and meditate on of how does God delight in my dependence on him? Uh, how does God view when I fail and struggle and confess that to him? And, and certainly our human patterns of fatherliness are mm. never going to be what his are. Yep. But I do think it gives us at least a shadow of what God's love is for us as well. All right, give us a sneak peek of what uh, we can expect as we begin to land the plane in Hosea. Yes, so Hosea 14 is our text for this Sunday, and in many ways it's a capstone of the whole book. So up to this point, God has been illustrating Israel's unfaithfulness. He's been providing evidence and accusations. He's been declaring what the punishment is going to be. But now in 14, it's kind of the action step. All right, Israel, what are you going to do about it? And he comes back to this word that he's used throughout the book, but he uses it three times, I think, in the first three verses, and that is return, Mm -hmm. repent, Mm -hmm. change directions. And so we're going to be talking a lot about the concept of repentance, because I think in Christian circles, sometimes we imagine that this pattern or discipline of repentance is for people that are really messed up. 
you know, mm-hmm. that, that have really gone astray and they're the ones who need to repent. But we who are, you know, relatively um, obedient Christians, then repentance is somehow a more rare thing for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, a really poor understanding of repentance if, in fact, that's what we're thinking. Because repentance is designed to be a declaration of our belief in the gospel and our recognition of the fact that there is continuing to be indwelling sin. Mm. And so if I repent of that sin, I'm claiming, God, I know who I am and I know who you are and I know what my only hope is. And scripture actually says that actually helps us rescue ourselves from temptation mm-hmm. because we begin to see things clearly we begin to, to desire things rightly so we're going to walk through some pastoral principles of what does it look like to repent how do i recognize false repentance or just maybe worldly sorrow and then the difference between that and and true godly repentance and then the book kind of closes with god declaring when you turn to me you're not going to find a angry condemning father you are going to find a delighted father, husband, who longs to welcome you home, to redeem and restore you, and to give you all the good things that you've been looking in other places for. And so I think it closes then in verse 9 with this question of, what are you going to do about it? And so it's just a very practical chapter that I think is rich with a lot of uh, certainly wisdom, but also calls for how we're going to respond. I think it's a it's a great place to to land in terms of where we even end this podcast. So Jenna, if you'd help me, I think you referenced this just a few moments ago, Ephesians 2. Mm. Uh, Jenna, if you, do you mind helping me finish uh, read this chapter? Sure. Or 2, 1 through 10? I'll, uh, I'll do uh, 1 through 3 if you'll finish this out. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you, Jenna. It's been good to be back with Pastor Tim Cockrell for this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We've been discussing his recent sermon from Hosea 11 through 13, and you can access Grace's sermons and even this podcast episode and others on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org, that's gracecedarville.org, and by clicking the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and even comments. Uh, we appreciate all the email that you might send to us, and you can do that at contact at gracecedarville.org, gracecedarville.org. Well, plan to join us for the next installment of Digging Deeper in Grace. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode. God bless and keep growing in grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.